0: Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Ajit Naidu. Ajit is the Executive Vice President and Acting Head of Client Services and Technology at TIAA. He's also a board member of TIAA Global Business Services and a fintech called MyVest. He was, uh, until April of 2021, the Executive Vice President, Chief Technology and Operations Officer of Nuveen, a wholly owned asset management subsidiary at TIAA, and Head of Global Enterprise Technology for TIAA. He spent roughly four years with the company, and prior to his time with the company, he was the chief executive officer of MDC Business Management Services, a Mugudala company. Ajit, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today.
1: Thank you, Peter. Um, it's a privilege to be on this podcast with you. As, as you very well know, I, I'm a big fan and listen to them regularly. So, looking forward to our conversation.
0: No, oh, I'm I'm honored, and uh, I, I can't wait to, to to share your story with our audience as well. Thank you so much for that, Ajit. But first, a word from our partner, Transmit Security and the company's co-founder and president, Rakesh Loonkar. Transmit Security is a cybersecurity organization that focuses on identity experience and is enabling a secure and passwordless future. They also recently received the highest Series A venture capital investment in history for a cybersecurity company at a valuation of $2.2 billion. Rakesh wanted to share a couple of recommendations for technology and digital executives on how to improve a company's cybersecurity infrastructure.
2: Thank you so much, Peter. First, I strongly recommend to take part of their budget and dedicate it to really innovative companies. It has to be built into the budgets up front so that it serves as a forcing function to really look for new technologies. The the second recommendation is outside of identity. There are two very interesting classes of security technologies that are emerging. The first one is improving the quality of code to make sure that your developers are not introducing software vulnerabilities. The second is cloud security. I think we're in the first inning of hundreds of companies that will be created offering really innovative ways of securing the multitude of problems in the cloud environments. want to leave your audience with this last thing. Every single time they have to enter their password, change their password, can't remember their password or any other problems, please remember Transmit
0: Security. And now a quick word from our sponsor Cisco and the company's chief information officer Jackie Gushalar. As we enter a time of hybrid work environments, Jackie wanted to take a moment to share how companies can stay ahead of this emerging trend and make informed decisions on the future of work. Jackie, over to you.
3: Hi. This is Jackie Guccila, SVP and CIO of Cisco. Today, we're at a unique time in history with the ability to redefine work. Work is no longer where you go, it's what you do and how you do it. And it is powered by the convergence of people, technology, and places. It's permanently reshaping expectations of both employees and employers alike. To navigate this changing landscape, Cisco's Hybrid Work Index can help you make informed decisions by providing global insights on people's preferences, habits, and technology use in the era of hybrid work. It's based on millions of global data points and insights to help you win the war for talent, accelerate your innovation, and enhance business safety and security. Search Cisco Hybrid Work Index to learn more.
0: Thanks, Jackie. And now on to our broadcast. Well, Ajit, I mentioned in the introduction that uh, you work for TIAA as well as the subsidiary Nuveen. And I wonder, for those who are less familiar, especially with the relationship between those organizations, maybe you, you could take a quick moment and provide a bit of an overview.
1: Sure. Uh, you know, TIAA is a 100-year-old company. It is uh, one of the most premier retirement income-focused organizations out there. We are... Uh, you know, not a public company. Um, and the sole purpose has been, in it, set, it was set up by Andrew Carnegie and very, very mission oriented. Um, you know, we serve those who serve others. And so TIA has been at this for a long, long time on helping others uh, have a better retirement uh, lifestyle, I should say, and retirement income. Over the years, uh, you know, over the last few years, TIA has gone uh, the path of getting more diversified, and they acquired Nuveen, which is an asset management firm. Uh, it is a one point two trillion asset management firm. Uh, some interesting facts: uh, you know, it's the number one farmland owner in the world. It is the number three or four real estate company in the world. And TIA also uh, acquired a bank, TIA Bank. So the idea was that uh, where needed, we could provide, um, you know, a more broader financial services uh, to our participants.
0: That's a great overview. I appreciate that, Uh, Ajit. Take a moment, if you would, also to talk about your role as the head of client services and technology uh, with the company.
1: Yeah, sure. I, you know, I've been with uh, TIA Nuveen now about three and a half years. I, I joined actually as head of uh, uh, Nuveen Technology and Operations as their chief technology operations officer. And I also had a, a foot on the TIA side running some of the enterprise functions like corporate technology um, and data, et cetera, right? And over the years, sort of, they've um, added responsibility. And as of last six months, when our uh, Head of Client Service and Technology retired. They asked me to step in as uh, in that role, in acting capacity, and that's what I'm doing right now.
0: Excellent. Well, talk a bit about, if you would, uh, some of the areas that you and the team are are focused on right now. What are some some of the 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 strategic priorities that you and the team are are driving forward at present?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, as as in most financial services organizations digital transformation, custom obsession is the is big focus areas. The way I look at it is through sort of three lenses. Uh, what can we do and what are we doing to increase our customer alpha? What are we doing to improve our investment alpha? And then, of course, what are we doing to improve our operational alpha? And what I mean by these is, you know, how are we focusing on changing the culture of the firm to be more technology and data-driven, right? Uh, as you can tell, being a 100-year-old company and mean being a 120-year-old company, we certainly have a lot of heritage and with that, a lot of legacy <laughs> in technology, right? So the old processes, some cases, we still have some uh, processes which are manual and fair amount of technical debt as you can imagine. So. It's all about progress over perfection as we keep moving the needle. You know, we are making some hard decisions on how we should differentiate. So we are building, you know, for differentiation and we're buying for parity. Uh, We're also getting more and more data driven. And as we very well know, data is the new fuel and AI is the new engine. So if you want to keep the engine humming and get the best output from the engine, you better have good fuel. So the focus on data is quite a bit. <clears throat> so using these as our sort of guiding principles, right? So we've defined our strategy around six pillars, and the first pillar being customer obsession. So that is all about hyperpersonalization. You know, uh, the focus on need and value. What can we can bring to our uh, customers or participants, like we say in the insurance industry. And how do we bring our collective set of services and solutions across TIA to the clients? And to support that, you really need to have a seamless digital experience. And that takes us to the second pillar, which is all about digital platforms and digital transformation. And in financial services, um, if you abstract up, you really have three different, three functions. Enrolling a client, money in and money out, right? This is the sort of the three journeys your clients go through in an abstract sense. So how do we make that as seamless as possible? How do they make that as one touch and frictionless, so to say? So that's the focus around this. So to to achieve that, you know, you need to have straight through processing, automation, better digital journeys, but the fundamental thing is data. Right. How do we use data effectively to make all that happen? At the end of the day, all is this is all data movement. So that takes me to the third pillar, which is all around focusing data and AI. So do we have the right platforms? Of course, we need to have you know, the right security around data, the right encryption. And data has gravity. So the more you leave it uh, in a place, it, it, it gets you know, more and more heavier and difficult to move around. Um, and as we're getting into AI, we need to have better categorization data. We need to have better uh, you know, cataloging, metadata is important. So that all helps in the explainability of our AI models, right? So data and AI is a very important piece of it. Now, all of this is only going to happen if we can provide you know, scalable. Repeatable, reliable, resilient, and all this in a cost-efficient way. So that goes to my, you know, sort of fourth pillar, which is all around operational excellence. Right. Also, the rate of change in the industry is happening at such a fast pace. Uh, it's really hard to do everything yourself. And with the growth of the fintechs, uh, it actually does not make sense to keep trying to do everything yourself. So we are also going to try to leverage our ecosystem much better, whether it's the fintechs, whether it's the partners out there, whether it's the educational institutions who happen to be or some of them, most of them happen to be our clients too actually, is how can we you know leverage their research capabilities? So the, the fifth pillar is all about how do we leverage our ecosystem to to get faster in concept to market of our ideas and products. Now the foundation under all this is talent. Right? So the the sixth and and the most most probably the most critical pillar I would say is all around talent. So how do we attract and retain the best talent uh, with all the technology changes happening? How do we keep upskilling and reskilling our talent? Uh, you know, we've done some very interesting things where we've created a a cyber you know program, master's degree actually with NYU, which is heavily subsidized both with, with NYU and us, and it is absolutely free for our employees. So we've got a lot of our employees, uh, like about fifty plus cohort, who actually in that degree program. We've done a similar program around data and AI with uh, UNC Charlotte. So we are focusing a lot on providing, you know, uh, upskilling and educational opportunities for our talent. Uh, how do we create a more agile workforce? You know, agile development is something everybody's thinking about, uh, but it's more about agility of thinking. This has to get more pervasive, not just in technology but across the business. You know, uh, focus on diversity and inclusion. And equity across the talent pool is very important to us. So we're spending a lot of effort on that. And, and lastly, I would say, you know, organizationally, how do we make our shift to more of a product and service focused as opposed to just uh, a project focus? So uh, as you can tell, a lot is going on, but exciting uh, to see that change the organization. We've, had, we've, uh, we've got a new CEO. She joined uh, just about five months back. And she's bringing a, a renewed sense of energy and drive and focus to the organization. And, uh, you know, she's very technology focused, the Chanda Brown Duckett. And so that, that is also bringing a lot of excitement in the tech and ops organization, the client service organization, uh, to have a leader like that.
0: That's a great overview. Thank you so much for that, Ajit. I want to uh, d- dig into a couple of the areas that you talked about, beginning with a the, the point that really is a thread pulled through much of what you describe, but an area that you explicitly called out early in your response about the culture of the firm uh, changing to become more data driven. Culture change is, in some cases, the most difficult change of all uh, because it means changing behaviors, changing ways of working. And in an organization, as with as long and storied a history as TIAA, I'm sure that's easier said than done and, and has taken some hard work in order to pivot the organization in the direction that you've described. Uh, can you talk a bit about some of the ways in which you have fostered that change? I, I certainly, I'm hearing you say that, uh, especially when you get that t- to the, the people and talent pillar that you described and some of the uh, great uh, educational opportunities you provide others and means of fostering some of that cultural agility um, uh, that you described as well. Um, anything else you'd call out in terms of ways in which you've painted a picture for others uh, as to what the future is to be like, uh, and, and identifying those who are, who are well-equipped and, and, and curious enough to, to drive towards that, that future end.
1: Yeah. And, you know, focus on being data-driven. It It is, it is a hard problem. Uh, it's, a, it's, uh, I would say more of a cultural, like we said, more of a cultural change which we need to do, right? But there are some systems and infrastructure pieces which have to go along with it to make it happen. You know, uh, I can speak for us. You know, We most probably spend more time acquiring, storing, and moving data around as opposed to using and getting insights out of the data. So that's the first shift we're trying to make. We're saying, let's try to figure out how do we spend more time getting insights and using the data we have as opposed to just shuffling it around with all the etl jobs and you know archiving and copies floating around and everybody getting a different manifestation of the information so so to to bring it down to sort of the technology platforms is how do we create unique sets of data how do we make sure that now we have you know great op- technology out there We went from the usual, you know, the data warehousing world to the data operational data stores. And then we ended up with data lakes, and a lot of people created data swamps. And we are working out from the next generation of that and getting better at the data lakes. And and there are some great cloud based technologies today which give you access to data pretty near time, where, you know, um, the classic dichotomy of, you know, the read write. Dilemma between warehousing and operational data source has gone away. You can, you know, add data and while getting insights and doing running reports off it and running some insights today simultaneously. So that is giving us new ways of accessing data for our users. Users are getting a lot more savvier. You know, uh, the tools and technologies for reporting and analytics are getting more smarter. So that is giving uh, access to the data and letting users uh, access data in different ways. Plus, you know, technology and analytics is getting democratized. So you don't have to go to your favorite technologist anymore. Users can actually access and get insights and make information off the data themselves. But to do that, what we're trying to do is first of all, we're creating the best data stores, whether it's lake, data lake based or whatever so that people can access data in a unique way. We have a metadata layer we're working on, <clears throat> so people know what data is where, and they can put stuff together. We built a data science layer on top of this, so you can run your you know, data science models on it. So it's all about empowering the user to be more effective with you know data with good veracity, with the right level of governance around it and stewardship around it. and. Right level of categorization and uh, you know entitlement-based security systems around it, so people access the right data which they can.
0: I also really uh, liked your your point, Ajit, about ecosystems. That uh, it, it's an, it's important that the organization have a uh, cast its net widely. Uh, my my term not yours, but but uh, in order to to bring what you've described to life, um, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your perspectives on that? I know that's, a, that's an area that you've, you've thought an awful lot about.
1: If I take an angle of AI, for example, right? So we are looking at AI now. Um, we started a journey using robotic process automation, <clears throat> automating a lot of processes uh, and getting good sort of value in terms of uh, automation, improved controls and efficiency. Then we started talking about, uh, okay, how do we get into more um, cognitive automation? And the shift here is between automating what we do to start automating how we think. I would guess a little intrusive, right? When you start running these models and trying to change the way uh, uh, and automate the way we normally think, and these are more cognitive functions, whether it's, for example, when a research analyst is looking at a Muni bond research document, which is 200 pages, to find the Muni factors, and it takes them a couple of hours, and you can run an LP based model, which can do semantic evaluation of the text con- textual context and come up with those factors in a few seconds. It actually improves, it changes the. the The way a research analyst works, it completely changes and improves the productivity a lot more, but it is uncomfortable, right? When you have a model which can start giving nudges to a portfolio manager on their trading patterns and what decisions they make, and if they could have made a slightly different decision, they would have got another 20, 30 bips and their performance, it is uncomfortable. So this is a shift we are trying to make from robotic process automation to cognitive automation, right? And with this shift comes a lot of burden on defining and explaining, being able to explain the models. So how are we going to, uh, the data, it it has to be, uh, first of all, good, clean and managed well and governed and entitled, but also you should be able to explain the lineage of the data and the explainability of the AI models we have. So there's a massive shift we're trying to do on how we are approaching the the use of AI and how dramatically it is gonna start being used more pervasively. And I think we've just scratched the surface.
0: I also found it really interesting that you're developing these uh, really interesting and progressive uh, uh, partnerships with with, uh, different university programs. You talked about uh, uh, the, the one you have with NYU and a different one with UNC Charlotte. Uh, for, for cybersecurity and data and analytics uh, and, and artificial intelligence, respectively. Uh, it, it seems like a logical thing that, that the Teachers Insurance and Annuity Association, TIAA, uh, with its association from its founding with, uh, with teaching and teachers, that you would think creatively about developing partnerships to better build uh, the skills of tomorrow for your organization rather than simply resting on the laurels of the, the skills one's acquired in the past. Um, to talk a bit about that, that relationship, you, you began to introduce each of those and you talked about the cohort of 50 or so that have been through the, the NYU program, for instance, the fact that it's free to them. Um, you know, as you've thought about what you have curated and then who to curate it with, uh, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the the, the, the process there as I find that really interesting and nuanced.
1: Yeah, and some of it actually started with need, right? We had a need. There's a there's a tremendous shortage and demand for cyber professionals, <clears throat> and that's not peculiar to us. That's everywhere across the actually it's across industry, and with the increase of, you know, with with ransomware and 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 other various cyber um, issues we have there. The, the focus on cyber talent is quite a bit, and there is a tremendous amount of shortage there and, and high demand. So as an outlet, we we just, we were thinking about what is the best way to come up with a way to create a program to, to address that need, uh, not just for TIA, but in general. So this program in NYU, by the way, is not just for TIA, it's, it's in, in cohort with some other institutions. We just happen to be one of the largest um, have one of the largest cohorts from TIA, and what is fascinating is we have individuals uh, from various, um, you know, various functions in technology and operations who've, who've joined this, and some who've been in technology for you know twenty five, thirty years, and some who are a couple of years out of college. So you've got a nice mix of people with tremendous amount of experience and institutional knowledge, and some who are fresh out of school who are going through this program and whether they come back and join the cyber team or everybody else the fact of the matter is we need to be you know like you said devops and secure devops we need to be security first so it helps us improve our general security hygiene across the board and these programs are open for other institutions also and and uh, and I believe there are other uh participating institutions who have their employees who have taken part of it in terms of uh, you know data AI is is of course another very hot field. Uh, we want to encourage, and we've got other programs internally which we run, and we're doing similar programs around clouds technology. We're doing similar programs around data science, uh, and some of them are actually focusing on uh, particular sort of uh, companies. We're partnering with companies are focusing on particular minorities. So. Uh, you know whether they are, uh, you know, women in technology, women who can code, we've got correlation one who brings data science to women, um, and, and et cetera So we're doing a, a variety of different programs, all around. How are we going to get the workforce of the future ready?
0: That's great. I, a great overview indeed. I want to return to a, a topic you mentioned in terms of the way in which you orient the team, as well in terms of buying for parity but building for differentiation. Um, there's a lot that's that's suggested by that. That uh, first of all, that you have a means of of determining uh, what where there's par- where there is uh, where parity is good enough and where differentiation is necessary, and therefore what's more strategic or less so. Uh, or i should say less though and, and more strategic respectively uh, it also means of course that having the talent and i'm hearing you talk a lot about the, the ways in which that talent is built in order to build for differentiation it requires you know uh, employees in a broader ecosystem that can help bring that to life in terms of the building itself but talk a little bit about that that process of determining what is differentiating versus those areas where parity is good enough
1: yeah yeah and listen on just uh, on the previous topic about talent, um, as you very well know, Peter, this is this is a journey, and we are at the you know early stages of our journey. There are firm, some firms who have done this very well, and are way more mature in this journey than we are. But we've we've been at it for some time, and I think we're making great progress. Going back to your um, talking about how do we differentiate, so we look at our capabilities, and I, I just for simplification, I bucket into three sort of buckets. What is sort of foundational? What is table stakes to be in that particular business? And what is transformational? Right. <clears throat> Arguably, most of the stuff which you would fit, put in foundational and in table stakes, so if you're an asset management business, you need certain things. You know, you need a proper middle office, you need certain auto management systems, you need portfolio management systems, you need valuation systems, et cetera. These are not really differentiators. These are table stakes. You gotta have it, you know. Uh, how we you know build systems for impact investing? How do we generate performance alpha from our you know portfolio management? Those are transformational and those are our differentiators, right? So when it comes and foundational systems are you got to have you know global pricing systems? You got to have an accounting system for your A board and I board, for example. These are all table stakes and foundational. So I mean we're not going to build an accounting system in today's world. You tend to, you know, go and get a SaaS solution for that. You're not going to build our auto management system. You are going you know, either get a SaaS solution for that. When you have functions like in operations, there are companies that have outsourced them. So these are what our examples are. You know, you buy for parity. And so we've started bucketing our capabilities into these broad categories and saying, okay, the transformational stuff is where we will build, we will partner with fintechs, we will partner with research organizations and come up with something which we truly believe is our secret sauce and we can differentiate on. Anything which we think is stable stakes and foundational, we would want to buy or outsource.
0: Very interesting. Yeah, I, I like that Like that point of differentiation as you noted. Um, you you also talked about the move from a project orientation to a product orientation among the various things uh, that, you, that you've uh, articulated in terms of the transformation that you and the team have led. Um, talk a little bit about the rationale behind that as well as how you have brought that to life. How did you, how are you uh, articulating what areas are destined and a most appropriate to be products uh, versus perhaps those that are not? I really like, and perhaps a part of the answer is the, 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 the way in which you simplify the way in which the, the business is, is done, you enroll a client then there's money in and then there's money out and I have to imagine there's sort of products perhaps related to um, each right. of those those journeys for for customers at, at a minimum as a starting point and then perhaps it flows from there. talk a bit about that if you would:
1: yeah I mean the concept of product has been is a fairly mature concept when it comes to sort of business or what you're selling to clients you know for some time now <laughs> Technology firms have used the concept of products slightly differently. When you go to Microsoft, they have products out there, and you know all the various firms. But in enterprise, we've not used it or at least in TI, we didn't use it that effectively over the last a yeah, kind of, yeah, few years. So the shift we are trying to make, and this also helps in creating a more commercial mindset. So if you go to a space like infrastructure, for example, and if you say, okay, I've got a team which is managing my collaboration products. And and the collaboration products happen to be anywhere from email, Zoom, Teams, et cetera. Now, how do we deploy it? What are the service levels around it? How do we do chargebacks? What are the cost structure, et cetera? So the person who runs this as a service has a holistic view. So it changes the way of thinking. It's not about, oh, let's do a project to roll out X, Y, Z solution out there, right? So you have to think about the the rationale of um, selecting the solution or product, how and why we would use it, how would we deploy it, what would the SLAs, what would be the run cost in steady state, the, the recovery and disaster recovery capabilities, if needed, and of course, the costing and the chargeback so it it's a it's a mono 360 view and you can use that across the board in various ways and you can align everything you do in this thinking and once we define the product managers their role is to think of that 360 and own it that way so it's not about a bunch of developers developing a project and handing over to some other operations team and then it so this is really taking on one side we talk about sec devops where the developers are becoming more responsible for operations also. But now we're taking this more holistically and saying, okay, now you're responsible solution, not just development, but the whole thinking strategy, pricing, deployment, and uh, and, and SLAs.
0: Very good. I wanted to ask you, gosh, we've already covered a number of, of important trends related to data, related to artificial intelligence. Uh, related to the various aspects of modernization that you've uh, that you've put in place in order to to be able to bring this to life in an organization, as you point out, that's a, a hundred plus years old. Um, are there other trends that particularly excite you as you look to the future? Whether you know greater depth into some that we've already covered, or perhaps some other ones that are beginning to make their way onto your roadmap, Ajit?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, listen. I, I think you know we are we are looking at um, uh, the starting. Really, seeing some early signs of um, success with use of AI. So That's very exciting. We've got a long way to go. Uh, now, I could throw things like you know, quantum computing, and all. We are very far from all that. Uh, we don't see that happening in in the world of AI in, in in the coming you know at least the next twelve to eighteen months. But there's something out there. But when I look at the culmination of <clears throat> data and AI. Cloud computing, the growth in concept of edge computing and 5G, you've got a very interesting sort of set of um, technologies which will radically change how you can engage with our clients in real time, hyper personalized, in a very cost effective manner, and give them uh, a multi channel, seamless multi channel experience. With 5G, you can start using, first of all, your pipes are much bigger so you can use a lot more data, but your experience on mobile, effective use of video and audio, you know, concept like conversational AI will become more common, you know? And with the compute and bandwidth capabilities now getting to a, a very affordable manner, that will all become reality. Now we are seeing a massive shift in our calls and our contact center, right? Use, using some AI technologies, we are seeing some uh, very, very interesting insights coming on how we can automate what our clients are calling our contact centers for. So your IVRs were doing your first generation one automation of automating your calls and categorizing them and you know getting a customer to do self-help. Now with AI, you can take it to the next level where the, the machines can help do the next best action, get the contact center rep to be more productive, but also give a lot more semantically astute capabilities to uh, through the machine to the customer to be able to do self-help on things they were maybe got stuck halfway through a transaction. The bot can detect that automatically and guide them through uh, the next best action as needed. So there's some fascinating opportunities there. Edge computing as it's as it's growing is going to open up a whole bunch of opportunities. As we said, I mean, data, we seem to be moving data closer to the models and the applications. And then we move it back again as we are, you know, data is generated closer to the way where it's used and where it's generated. But we seem to move it out to the to the cloud. With edge computing, you'll see a lot of that being able to be kept closer to where it's generated, used, and able to manipulate it, and models will come to it. You know, So all those things are fascinating in how we can improve our services for our clients.
0: Well, Ajit Nadu, thank you so much for sharing a bit about your experience and this remarkable transformation that you are fostering, covering people and talent, process, technology. Uh, revolutionizing and rethinking the way in which the organization personalizes its its offering for customers, uh, among a variety of other topics that we've covered together. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Peter. I'll leave you with one thought. You know, we all have time and humanity uh, common uh, amongst us, but uh, what differentiates us is how we use our time and how we show our humanity. So I think that's, that's something which um, will become more and more important for us to think about as the machines um and ai is gets more prevalent in society
0: a great topic and a great great uh, great idea to to leave us with
3: thank you again